Welcome to that Super Fan Talk Podcast, only on the Infinite Potato Alliance. Attention, whoever you are, this channel is reserved for emergency calls only. Do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? Hold on to your butt. And here we go. From the historic Infinite Potato Studios, this is That Super Fan Talk Podcast. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Hasta la vista, baby. Join us as we dive deep into all fandoms and genres of cinema and television. I like those odds. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. No gatekeeping. No toxic fandom. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. The monkey's my fly out of my butt. Now, only inches away from a tall glass of Diet Mountain Dew. Just give me something without any sugar in it, okay? Here is your host, Sean Ray. By the power of Christ, though. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. All right, it was a miracle. Can we go now? Keep the change, you filthy animal. Hey, everybody, and welcome to that Super Fan Talk podcast. My name is Sean Ray, and I've always wondered how vampires make themselves look so good without being able to see the reflection. On tonight's panel, you know, we do this thing every week where I say something funny at the beginning. And then when I edit the episode, I realize nobody laughed at my jokes. It just makes it sound like none of my jokes are funny. Mm. (laughs) 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 On tonight's panel, we have smart ass. I mean, Rick, how's it going, sir? (laughs) The blood is the life. (laughs) We have Scott. How are you? When vampires take steroids, should those be called vamplifiers? <laughs> and and Jen is here as well. And I do not glitter. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> as you can probably tell by the episode title this week, we're going to be talking about movies and TV shows about vampires. And there are a lot of them out there. Vampires have been a staple in the movies since movies were invented. Uh, movies like the silent film Nosferatu and the old classic Dracula are considered not only building blocks of horror, but also of cinema as a whole. So we're going to explore some of that tonight and talk about some of our favorites. I want to remind you that we record these podcasts as a live stream. So if you want to take part in our conversations and send us a comment in real time, then just follow us on Facebook and you'll be able to see when we start a stream and which is actually usually on Saturday night. So, uh, go to Facebook, search for infinite, the infinite potato Alliance and join our group. I have a trivia question for you guys. Okay. Okay. Do you know what is generally considered to be the first vampire story? The first vampire l- literature actually written down published vampire story. I don't. I mean, the first one that I know of is Dracula, but I'm sure there was. No, there's one. There's a lot before that, that, but I couldn't tell you what the actual title is. It feels like something that I've known once upon a time and has since forgotten. And it's actually connected to Frankenstein, ironically. (laughs) 
long before Abbott and Costello did it. <laughs> um, if, you, if you know how the book Frankenstein was written, Percy Shelley, the poet, Lord Byron, the uh, famed hedonist and poet, uh, John Polidori, their friend, and Mary, uh, Mary Wollstonecraft, who would later become Shelley's wife, uh, we're all hanging out at Byron's place one weekend and it was raining and, and Doctor Who was kind of creeping around. Um, but they decided <laughs> along with, uh, the oldest immortal on the planet, Mythos from the Highlands. <laughs> right, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, they, they had a con, they said, let's have a contest so you can write the scariest story. And Frankenstein, uh, Mary Shelley wrote. Uh, Mary Wollstonecraft at the time uh, wrote Frankenstein and the rest is history. But I don't think it was that particular weekend, but John Polidori had written a, a story called Varney the Vampire hmm. either before or after that. And that hmm. is widely considered to be the first vampire in literature. We, I don't know if Scott's laughing at the same thing I am, but when you said Barney the Vampire, I'm just imagining uh, Ernest P. World dressed as a vampire. Oh, no. I didn't even think about it until I saw you guys laughing. I was like, know what I mean, Barney? <laughs> right? Yep. Right, so I, I've heard that story about Mary Shelley uh, writing this at a part. And so... She wrote the book in a weekend, or she wrote the she, story she wrote that the eventually story became then, the book, and then fleshed it out to the novel. Mm-hmm. I got you, okay? Because I was going to say that's that's a lot of writing for just a couple of days, <laughs> and it's still an amazing novel. If you've never read Frankenstein, you owe it to yourself to read it. It's it's incredible. We used to have these things when I was in uh, middle school. I wish I could remember the name of the company that did them because I'd love to find some of them, but. Um, they used to take classic novels and they would make them into a comic book mm-hmm. and they were always about 65 pages. Our teacher had the entire set. She had like a hundred of them mm-hmm. and, uh, and she would let us check them out, take them home. We'd read them and bring them back. So there's a lot of the classic stories that I never actually read the book, but I know the gist of the story. I know the highlights because I read that. Yeah, I read those too. Yeah. Yeah. I used to love them, but uh, you know who used to, the, the, um, remember Mr. Magoo? The, the, the yeah. cartoon oh, yes. character, Jim mm-hmm. Back has voiced it. They also did a series of cartoons of Mr. Magoo as classic characters. <clears throat> oh, yeah. I, re- I remember the, like, the Christmas Carol one. Yeah. Christmas Carol, Treasure Island, Frankenstein, um, the, the, the Frankenstein one scared the crap out of me as a kid. <laughs> my kids used to, my kids used to watch Wishbone like every day. Hmm. And, uh, it was on PBS. If you never heard of it, it's, it's Wishbone is a dog and he's like a Jack Russell Terrier. And, uh, they would do like a 30 minute episode and it's whatever silliness that, uh, Wishbone and his, and the boy that owns him, they're getting into some kind of mischief or whatever. But, there's always a classic book that is, they would cut and they do a couple of scenes from that. So you got both stories going along side by side. Wishbone always plays the main character of that story. So if it's a Sherlock Holmes story, you got this Jack Russell Terrier wearing the little hat and, and, <laughs> wearing and the deerstalker cap and yeah, <laughs> and all that. And, and, but, the, but all the characters in the, in the, in the show are playing it as if he's a human character and they can talk to him and stuff like that. So that, like I said, kids that are the same age as my kids, 
got a little bit of uh exposure to some of those stories by watching stuff like that. So mm-hmm. all right. So have any of y'all actually read Dracula? The the book? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, I read it when I was, yeah, it was assigned to, I was in a, in an AP, uh, literature class when I was in, uh, when I was a senior. That was one of the books on our list that we, uh, we had to read it because we, it was on our exam. So it's a long book. Yeah. And it's <laughs> but, told within, from the perspectives of all the other characters. Yeah. It, it changes perspectives a lot. Well, it, it's called epistolary. So it's all, it's all letters and, yeah. and diary, diary mm-hmm. entries and stuff like that. Yeah. Good um, really good book. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start tonight because, and the first one on my list, I'm sure Rick's going to have some stuff to say about this one too, because he's, he's, he's the big Anne Rice fan, but it's the interview with the vampire. Oh. Um, I've, got, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I've, I've got to admit that I, I've never, I haven't read the entire series of the vampire chronicles. I think I only read like the first three books. And I didn't read any of them until after. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> I didn't read any of them until after I saw this movie because this movie came out when I was like 13 or 14, something like that. And I, and uh, my dad was he, he had read some Anne Rice stuff, so he was really looking forward to this movie. So I went with him to the movies to see it, and I'm gonna try and talk about just the movie and not the book because I know there's a lot of differences and stuff, but. I think Brad Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise get a lot of flack all the time for being like pretty boys and that's why they're famous, but they're really good actors and I think they did good in this movie. I, I think that, that uh, Pitt as what is his character's name? Louis? Louis. Right? Louis. Louis. Louis, okay. Um, he has a very eerie creepiness in that character and a lot of it's because like he would, he would sit up straight. He wouldn't move his head a lot. You know, he would, he would, he just didn't move a lot when he was talking and he, and it, the makeup and the eyes and everything. I think that that along with just the way that he, he carried himself and the way he delivered his lines, he had this slightly amused look on his face in the scenes that he had with the Christian Slater where he's telling the story and stuff. Um, so I think he did really good. And I think, Cruz may not have been the best choice for Lestat, but I thought that the way that the character was written for the film, he did, he, he gave a pretty good performance. And I can't even tell you how impressed I was with, uh, Kirsten Dunst. Even at 14, I was amazed that she was, she was able to go toe to toe with the biggest actors in Hollywood and stand, stand head and shoulders above them. I think, I think she did a really good job in her performance in that movie. So yeah. I, so, uh, you guys, Rick, what would you think of that one? Can Go I ahead. shock you? Sure. <laughs> I, I was totally fine with Cruz as Lestat because it, okay. Interview with the vampire is not, is in my opinion, the weakest of Anne Rice's vampire novels, at least the early ones, but it was the first one. You know, it was the, in, it's the entry point. Yeah. It's yeah. The, yeah. It's the entry point. And the Lestat in interview with the vampire is not the Lestat we get to know later because it's Lestat as Louis is telling the story. True. Yeah. And so it's, you know, just like when, you know, Rashomon or anything, it's, you know, when you're seeing something through somebody else's eyes, you're getting their, their biases on it. And, uh, and if you read, you know, I I thought with a few exceptions for the most part, the book was, the, the movie was pretty loyal to the book. I love the books, by the way, I have read almost all of them. 
she she started releasing new books about ten, I guess about ten years ago, and the first book I just couldn't get through it. It was just like oh my god, this book is just it's just going on and on and on and on and on. But I've devoured almost every one of her her vampire novels before that. The only one I've really never gone back and reread or re-listened to was Interview because I just it just it. It's all just Louis whining for 300 pages. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, but I thought given that uh, precept that we're seeing the, the Lestat that, that Louis is painting the picture of, I thought Cruz did a fantastic job. Now, it is it is no secret that Anne Rice had Rutger Hauer in mind when she wrote this. Oh, Lestat. yes. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but of course this was, you know, 20, you know, 30 year old Rucker Hauer, <laughs> but you know, overall the, the, my only real huge problem with the movie was them making Armand, you know, was having Antonio Banderas play Armand because Armand oh, we'll get was to that taken as 17 at 17. He was, you know, the, the whole thing with Claudia was that, you know, she was five years old and Lestat made her a vampire just to piss off Louis. Uh, and then she becomes, you know, the, you know, what she became, but Armand was taken by Marius, who that's where I got my screen name from. Marius is my favorite of all of her vampires. Um, when Armand was 17. And so he's supposed to be basically an immortal kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not Antonio Banderas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not that Antonio Banderas did a bad job playing him. And, you know, but then they killed him and Armand, is very pivotal to a lot of the later books. So uh-huh. they kind of shot themselves in the foot as far as con- continuing the, the, the series with that. But overall, I really didn't mind it. I, you know, I wouldn't call it a favorite. I really wouldn't care to ever watch it again, but it, you know, it was fine. It was pretty successful. And I know they did a movie. I know they did a movie of Queen of the Damned, but it's not really connected to this movie. It's, it's not, just a, it's not. And it's I wonder, remarkably watchable. Yeah, it is. I love it. <laughs> I've never, I've never seen that one actually, but um, I and wonder. Me, it, not Aliyah. No, I, uh, Aliyah. The, the, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The 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 woman who played. Oh my god, I can't remember her name. How Akasha, am I Akasha. Akasha. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she was fantastic in the role, and then sadly, she died in a plane crash. Yeah, yeah. she died no, shortly yeah. after. Not the too came long out. after the movie was made. Mm-hmm. So, if this movie was successful, why do you think they never went back and made any? It may have been Anne Rice just didn't want him to do it, but why they never made any of the other books in the movies? Well, it, it was successful, but I don't think it was successful enough. Mm. Um, and also, you know, Anne Rice is very protective of her stuff. Um, she is notorious for not tolerating fanfic. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and it may be that, you know, she was like, all right, if you want to do any more, I need, I need script approval. And maybe they just couldn't get it. I don't know. Yeah. yeah I've wondered, and I, I have nothing to back this up, but I sometimes wondered if <clears throat> the lack of further adaptations of her vampire books might've had something to do with the fact that, uh, there was a time where she, where she quit writing the vampire books and she switched over to writing like God stuff. Cause well, she did the witch books for a while and then she oh, went God, back to the vampire so books. <laughs> she started, she did write a trilogy of books about Jesus before he oh, was that's right. yeah. the oh. age that he was in the Bible. Like when he's a teenager and stuff like that. One of my favorite things is, is, uh, you know, a lot of people don't care for, 
Mem Knock the Devil. I love that book. I loved it because <laughs> by the time, you know, she had basically got Lestat was essentially a god. Yeah. And there was really nothing else she could do with the character except put him in between God and Satan. Yeah. <laughs> That's what she did. <laughs> well, Lindsay, Lindsay Pucci's on here and she says that they're making a TV series of the yeah, Vampire Chronicles. I was going to mention that they're going to be doing the TV series soon. Yeah. Okay. Well, there oh, you go. Man. I mean, that, that's... I tried to read the Mayfair Witches books. I read the, I read, uh, um, uh, what was the Lasher? And then the second book, Taltos, when it ended in a way that I didn't need to go on, I was so grateful because I was mm-hmm. still at that time where it was like, I was completist. If I started a book, I would finish it whether I liked it or not. And, oh, I hated that book so much. And I, I, I it's not that it was badly written. It just, I was not the target audience for that. That's yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, okay. Well, I'll be brief, but I, I actually have seen Queen of the Damned. It, what happened with Queen of the Damned is they basically took Vampire Lestat and Queen of the Damned and squished them together. Yeah. And it didn't really work. I love it personally because I think, in my opinion, Queen of the Damned is her weakest book. I, really? I couldn't, I couldn't finish it. I was, ugh. But, um, the way that they squished them together in the movie made a bit more sense, especially since they, took out one of the twins and some other stuff and kind of squished down Akasha's backstory quite a bit, which I didn't understand why she had to spend like 10 chapters just on that in the book. But anyway, um, Mary is this tale, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but interview in particular, I always thought, well, I, I agree. Our, uh, Armand should have not been Antonio Banderas at all. Uh, <laughs> but I also think in my personal opinion, Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise should have been flipped. I always thought Tom Cruise would have been better as Louis. <laughs> yeah, well, Brad Pitt was still a little bit of an unknown at that point. He wasn't he wasn't Brad Pitt yet. So I think that just I think that to get Cruise into the movie, they probably let him play which one he wanted to play. Well, yeah, he he, he had a lot of say in the film. Yeah. Uh, when it was made, but I still think, I, th- I think Brad Pitt would have been done, done much better as Lestat. But anyway, yeah, I-, I always thought they should be flipped. Uh, Kirsten Dunst was great. I think this was her first movie role, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was. Um, and she was brilliant. And she was, she was a 14 year old playing, I believe she was, t- the character was 10. Well, in the, in the book, the character. In the book, five, she's five. But they, yeah, yeah. But in, in the movie, they made her like 10 or 11. Yeah. Which was fine. I had, that was something I had absolutely no problem with. I knew they were going to age her up because of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Even back then, stuff. Uh, so that was fine. Um, they kind of squished down all the parish stuff in the movie a bit. Yeah. Um, which, the theater yeah. Yeah. The, the, the theater. See, I, I, I think that. Vampire Lestat and Queen of the Damned is basic. It's kind of like Tolkien. It's one book that had to break into two. Possibly. I could see that. But, I mean, I've also read most of the latter books. And actually, my favorite is Armand's book, the one about Armand. Yeah. Uh, which is, has his old backstory, how he meets Marius and everything. I also like the book about Pandora because she's one mm-hmm. of my, she's my favorite character personally is Pandora, uh, who sadly was, Severely underused in Queen of the Damned, mm-hmm. played by the brilliant Claudia Black. Love her. Um, Jesus, I forgot that. I need to watch that movie again. Yeah, yeah. And actually, the the actor they had who played Armand in Queen of the Damned, minus his hair because he was blonde in the movie, was perfect. He looked 
Perfect. Oh, why couldn't they have gotten him for the first show? <laughs> you, you know what happened with that movie was, you know, this was back when uh, we were living in Louisiana. We were in our, my wife and I were newlyweds and we were in, in our first apartment. And this was back when video stores still existed. And mm-hmm. you, you just, you came home with, a, with, you, you used to just stop at the video store on the way home from work and, you came home with Queen of the Damned, and I was like, oh, God, this is going to hurt. And it actually ended up being a really good, really fun movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and also the, the actor who played Lestat in the second film, I think, was better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, people give Queen of the Damned a lot of flack because of a lot of the stuff that they cut from the books and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And the actor that they cast for Marius looked nothing like the character in the book. I didn't yeah, mind it either. I like Vincent Perez. I think he's awesome. If you listen to the behind the scenes commentary with the director and the writer, they explain why Marius looks different, which I was totally fine with. I'm not going to get into it here, <laughs> but <laughs> um, you're not going to condense almost a thousand pages of book into one movie. Right, 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 right. I mean, they yeah. did a, a relatively good job and they changed a couple of things, which I, I, I was okay with like how Lestat became a vampire and some other stuff. Um, but overall, as far as, interview. I think just some of the casting was off. I think uh, Pitt and Cruz should have been flipped. Um, And they, if they ever do it again, if they remake it, more power to them and we'll see what happens. And since they're doing the TV show, they may remake it. I don't know. We'll see. But I just think there was a lot of flaw. I can't watch it again. I absolutely cannot watch it again. That's just me. But I think there's a lot of flaws with that film that I just can't do it. (laughs) Anyway, go ahead, Scott. <laughs> you have you have anything to add, Scott? Or I'm like... not really. Okay. I, I watched Interview with a Vampire once back when it was a, a fairly recent film, but it was one of the. I, I believe I was still in high school at the time, so it was one of those who we put it on at at a party, but not many people were really paying attention to the movie. We we're just, you know yakking about whatever else while the movie played in the background. So I sort of caught what was going on. Uh, I think I tried reading interview, but I couldn't really stick with it. Her her prose is very dense. Yeah. You got to either be into it. You got to really be into that kind of writing or it's, it's just not going to work. Yeah. I I can't, all these years later, I can't really pinpoint why I didn't, uh, you know, find myself really, really grabbed by it, but I didn't, just kind of drifted away from it. Usually if people bring up uh, the vampire series, then I think of Anne Rice and I think of the uh, series of books that she wrote uh, well before she wrote the vampire series um, under a different name. It's a naughty series. Yeah. I was going to say, was it the erotic stuff? Oh yeah. Naughty (laughs) series. Yeah. She, uh, she go. I mean, she she's got a broad spectrum. She's writing erotica, and then later in her career, she's writing about Jesus. So- <laughs> if I could, if I could recommend if if you're intimidated by her vampire novels, read The Mummy or Ramsey's The Damned. Oh, it's, it's great book. for her. A short book. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and uh, it's it, it's it's not tied into a huge series. And mm-hmm. if if you read The Mummy and you enjoy it, then 
you would probably enjoy the rest of her books. Yeah, and she also did one about a Castrati character mm-hmm. living, in, and I've watched, read that one too, and I loved it. I, I thought it was great. I actually made a role play character based on him. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right. Uh, well, go ahead and begin with your first one on your list. Jim. Okay. Well, I have a bunch because I've seen a lot. So, okay, let the right one in the original. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not the remake, the original. Watch the original. It's much better. And watch it with the subtitles. Yes. you Because the dub is terrible. (laughs) The dub is awful. (laughs) But Let the Right One In is basically about, and I've read the book too, just to let you know, and they changed some things in the movie to make it a little less creepy, which saying for for a vampire movie, that's, wow. Uh, But essentially it takes place in. The line. (laughs) Well, Yeah. They they hint at it in the movie, but it's very brief. Um, it's a this one is actually about a child vampire living in I forget the town in Sweden, but she befriends a boy in town, and it takes place in the eighties because they have like Rubik's cubes and all this stuff, and she's really big into puzzles, so he gives her a Rubik's cube as a gift, and she loves it. Anyway, he doesn't realize at first that she's a vampire, and they strike up a friendship, and she lives, like, next door to him or something. I can't remember specifically. Um, don't, don't they They move in? She and her her, her protector. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and I don't want to spoil too much of it, because there's a lot in this film. But all the performances are great, including the two child actors. Um... He's like, I, the character's 12. They're probably a little older. It's it's very worth a watch. I mean, just for the friendship that the two characters have is, is enough. But the fact that she's also a vampire adds a lot of extra. And it is gory in some parts, I'll warn you now. But what vampire movie is it? <laughs> uh, but it's it's got a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. Let's put it right there. Uh, it's... The new, the, the remake, the American remake is okay. I've watched it. Don't want to see it. I've seen it just to see the differences. It's actually, I believe the script is written by the same guy who did the original. Yeah, I've seen it. I I like, of course, I I like, uh, what's her name? Chloe, um, Moretz. Yeah. 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 Chloe Grace Moretz. Yeah. She's the vampire in that. And it's called, and it's called Let Me In. It's not Let Me In instead of Let the Right One In. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's definitely watch the original. It's much better. And there's this one scene near the end that holy crap, because they don't, yeah, because they don't show it. You, it's, it's implied and it's much scarier. I'm not going to say anything more. That's that's my pick. Let's just say don't don't bully her friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Scott. What's the first one on your list? Well, the first one on my list is it's not a movie, it's not a TV series, but I wanted to make sure that I got this one mentioned. Um, partly because I think it's uh, a, a wonderful book series that people should. Uh, seek out and read if they can. And also because it's, it may sound a little strange, but this is a very emotional pick for me because, all right, we'll, um, we'll start from the, from the series itself. I'm putting in the comments 
so you can <clears throat> uh, throw this up on, on the screen for people to see. <laughs> this is the Amazon link to the first book in the series. Um, I don't know if it's going to be very helpful putting it up on the screen like that, but um, uh, the book is called The Turning and the the series is called Blood Ties. It's a four book series uh, written by now on, on the book cover, it says it's written by Jennifer Armentrout. Uh, she has since uh, changed her legal name. So it shows up differently on, on more recent books, but according to anything that you find online, it's uh, written by Jennifer Armentrout, who was uh, for uh, many years, one of my closest and dearest friends. Oh, I have all four of these books uh, signed by her. And even though she and I haven't talked in many years, I cannot bring myself to let go of these books. I got to keep them. Uh, So there's that four book vampire series. There's a three book uh, fantasy series and a standalone vampire book. Uh, All of those I have, and I I can't get rid of them. I'm going to have to keep those books forever. And just hope that one of these days I'll be able to talk to her again. But putting that aside, it really is a solid book series. Some people might get like a little bit frightened or or scared away by the fact that they are uh, romance novels. Uh, it, it is a romance series, so there's there, there's going to be some naughty parts in it. Um, the the intimate scenes are are accessories to the book. Whereas some romance series or some erotica series, it's the, the story is just a way to get from one adult scene to another. But these are not set up that way. These this it's a it's a great story. Um, the characters evolve throughout the course of the four books. Um, she puts uh, her own interesting. Uh, twist and take on the concept of vampires and how they work. I always remembered from near the beginning of, I think it was the first book in the series where instead of, you know, going out and trying to find victims that you can bite and drink from uh, one vampire who is teaching the main character, essentially how to be a vampire during this particular scene, just takes blood out of the freezer, puts it into a pan and puts it on the stove. And heats it up like you're like you're making old fashioned hot cocoa. So now they have this warm blood that he then puts in coffee mugs, and that's how they that's how they get their blood. At least in that scene, just that one little bit of of humanizing for the characters. I always really love that that aspect of it. As the series goes on, they she introduces um, uh, werewolves into it, and and she fleshes out the lore. It's really really an outstanding series, which I know no one else on this panel is really going to be able to, uh, I had a word and then the word went, (laughs) went gone somewhere away. (laughs) Um, the word went gone, um, uh, contribute, uh, people on the panel aren't really going to be able to contribute regarding the series because I assume I'm the only one that's read them, but yeah. As a Sorry, book that, series, that sounded way more dismissive than I wanted to say. I'm, I'm, wow. I'm trying to look up something else. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I've just never heard of it. That was not mm-hmm. <laughs> to go. Yeah, that was stupid. Yeah, I would just have to ask the panel to take my word for it that uh, uh, the series is great, and uh, and anyone who's interested ought to ought to give it a try. 
for a while, there was some excitement because it seemed like perhaps uh, it was on its way to being adapted to television. But as it turns out, that was a different uh, uh, vampire novel author who had put together a book called Blood Ties that they were pushing for television, but I don't think it ever happened. So <laughs> we all got excited for a minute. They were like, oh, <laughs> wrong book. <laughs> yeah, I hate when I find out that something that I love has been optioned and then that option just never comes to fruition or whatever. You know, yeah. There was a book that I read a couple of decades ago called Neanderthal by John Darton that was supposed to be it was optioned to make a movie with uh, Steven Spielberg and it was supposed to be like a Jurassic park, but about cavemen instead of dinosaurs. And uh, I had read that book and I loved the book and Oh, they're going to make a movie of this. And then I had a copy of the book that said soon to be a major motion picture on the top of the cover and then just the movie just have you ever seen a movie called neanderthal no because it never got made <laughs> all right rick what about you what's the first one on your list oh geez okay first i've, I've got a as you may have gathered this is this is a passion of mine <laughs> um i was obsessed with vampires in for a huge chunk of my life i'm not not any well i still like vampire stories but i mean i was i Okay, when I discovered in the late 80s, early 90s, the vampire subculture, hmm. and if any of y'all are familiar, know what I'm talking about, it was a really good thing that I was just a little bit too old and didn't have an in. <laughs> okay. Because, uh, I mean, I literally, if I had had the money, would have gotten fangs installed. I mean, I seriously <laughs> looked into it. Um, I was, I, I have... A, 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 my, my sister gave me a book, which is an encyclopedia of vampires. It's like this freaking thing. I have that book. Oh my I God. I read it from cover to cover. <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love vampire stories. I, you know, uh, uh, Scott, you, uh, well, you, you may know you, you've done some tech work on shows, haven't you? Mm -hmm. Okay. A lot of stagehand work is long periods of boredom with brief periods of frantic activity. And so I read a lot, you know, I would choose novels by the thickness because I'm like, <laughs> I'm doing eight shows a week and I've got maybe 10 minutes of actual work during each show. That's two and a half hours long. Um, and Anne Rice was perfect for me because her books were, you know, huge. You buy them by the pound. <laughs> um, and I, you know, as you may have gathered early from our earlier conversations, I love her work. Um, so I've, I've seen, I've, I've read so many books and, and just, just really quickly, I want to throw out a couple. Dan Simmons wrote a Dracula book called Children of the Night, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. He also wrote a book called Carrie and Comfort, which is the only book that ever scared me. I can't watch horror movies, but that book scared the crap out of me. Wow. Books okay. don't, bo generally don't bother me. I can read scary books and they don't, they don't affect me. Um, but that book scared me. Um, Necroscope by Brian Lumley. It's a series of, incredible vampire books that take an, a, a, a very original take on the whole vampire mythos necroscope. Look it up. It's amazing. Um, but I also have like, <laughs> I had to pick like just a few movies cause there've been so many good vampire movies. Um, 
and I really don't know where to start. So I'm going to go with my favorite right off the bat instead of saving it for the end. I'm just going to jump into it because in my opinion, the best vampire movie ever made hands down. No argument is the hunger. Yes. I agree. It stars Catherine Deneuve, Susan Sarandon and David Bowie. And it is absolutely freaking incredible. It begins first off with Bauhaus singing Bella Lugosi's dead. <laughs> right. Well, Catherine Deneuve and David Bowie are cruising this goth bar looking for a pair of victims. And then they bring them back to their, to their apartment and kill them and drink them. And, and, uh, but, and Susan Sarandon comes into it is she's a, uh, she is a gerontologist who is studying aging. Uh, because Miriam Blaylock, who is Catherine Deneuve's character is a vampire. She's thousands of years old. David Bowie, her lover, is a vampire, but she made him. And the problem is what she doesn't tell her lovers when she makes them into vampires is that they will remain young for 300 years, maybe. But then after about 300 years, they rapidly age and become decrepit, ancient, basically living mummies, but they can't die. And she's trying to find out if science has a way around this. And then she ends up falling in love with Susan Sarandon and makes, and, and makes her into a vampire kind of sort of it's, it's, I'm not, I'm not spoiling it. It's just not that simple. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there, and there's a, the girl that lives next door. And then there's, it, it it's, it's an amazing movie. It's also extreme. It's not a movie you want to watch with your parents or kids in the room. Oh no. <laughs> um, and uh, it's also an, a really good book that was written by Whitley Strieber, who mm. is the guy that wrote contact, which he mm. was, he, I don't know if he's still around. He probably, he, he's, he's one of those Eric Van Daniken chariots of the gods or, uh, uh, you know, ancient alien UFO nut jobs, mm. but he also wrote, the hunger yeah. and it, it, it's it's an incredible book but the ending is completely different from what they did oh the yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> oh i love that movie too it's i agree because i was probably as big if not bigger vampire fan <laughs> mm -hmm. uh yeah i love the hunger so much and it was the first movie i ever saw that they portrayed lesbians in a decent way mm-hmm um, cause yeah, it's, it's Catherine Deneuve and Susan Sarandon, you know, making out. <laughs> Woo! Um, my, my videotape was kind of worn out at that point. <laughs> <laughs> and David Bowie was pretty hot in the film. Too. Yeah. The Bo I mean, if you've never seen Bowie act, you owe it to yourself. He was an incredible actor. Yeah. For real. I mean, yes. Yeah. And he did more than just the labyrinth millennials. Uh, yeah. Yes. The, yeah. He wasn't okay. I'm hot take. He wasn't good in Labyrinth, <laughs> but uh, Labyrinth because, La <laughs> because Labyrinth is not good. But okay, <laughs> that's another that's another show. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying he wasn't. I'm not saying that he was good in it. I'm not saying that the movie was good. I'm not, I'm just saying that he was in it and that is probably his most well-known role. Yeah. True, For me, true. his second most well-known role is on the Venture Brothers, which is extra funny because he did not actually provide the voice for David Bowie on the Venture Brothers. It was just some guy playing David Bowie. 
Okay. <laughs> well, I had no idea that happened, so you're wrong. And you're wrong, Sean. <laughs> David Bowie is wonderful. <laughs> oh, I didn't say David Bowie wasn't wonderful. But I mean, I was in my 40s before I ever saw that movie. I didn't watch it when I was a kid, so. Ah, oh, well, there's a problem. <laughs> anyway, yeah, go ahead. I, I, was, I saw it when it came out. And... Yeah. Um, okay, so my next one is uh, From Dust Till Dawn. Uh. And, uh, as you saw from the poster that I put up a second ago, which I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put it up again because it's too hard to get it, get these pictures up there. I'm just but, gonna uh, sit back and listen to everyone else complain about why this movie isn't good before I contribute anything. So, yeah. Oh, no. I mean, okay, so I, I was, I was 19 the first time that I saw this movie and I was, a. I was a fan of both Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez. So the fact that Tarantino wrote it and Rodriguez directed it, I thought was great at the time. I've also always enjoyed George Clooney, which at the time, George Clooney wasn't George Clooney like he is now. He was just, he was this guy that was on ER, but in this movie, he got to play like this bad guy and he had like this big tattoo, the badass tattoo that went all the way down his body and all this kind of stuff. But I think what I really like about the movie is the way that it shifts gears in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. So the first half of the movie is like this, uh, this crime thriller and then it shifts and all of a sudden now you're watching a horror movie and, and it, I mean, it turns on a dime and everybody starts turning into vampires. It's got Harvey Keitel and Juliette Lewis in it as well. Um, and, um, Dawn of the dead movies. Um, he was Sex Machine. Um, yeah, oh, it, names like crazy tonight. That, yeah, Sweeney, Tom Sweeney. Yeah, yeah. Yes. and Cheech, Cheech Marin. Cheech, Cheech Marin kind of did this uh, Wizard of Oz type uh, thing where Cheech yeah. Marin plays like five different characters in this movie. <laughs> but uh, it sounds like everybody hates this movie, but me. So no, yeah. I don't hate it. I just think it the first half I don't like. Uh, the second half is is zany as heck, and I love it. And oh. This movie introduced me to the beautifulness of Selma Hayek. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, nobody really knew who she was before this, but uh yeah. No, yes they did because did they? people didn't know who she was before Desperado. Yeah, well yeah, and Desperado was directed by Robert Rodriguez. So yeah, I actually saw from the same line, not first so. and then well, I saw Desperado second. What so. came out first, Dogma or Desperado? Desperado. Desperado. Oh, by, yeah, by Dogma, Dogma, right, did, Dogma right. didn't come out until like 97 or 98, something yeah, like that. that late? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. De- Desperado oh, yeah. came out much earlier, which, and not a whole lot of people know this. Desperado, it's a sequel. Yes, it is from yeah. El Mariachi. <laughs> I didn't hate Dust Till Dawn. I just didn't like it. I, I, you know, it's no secret I am not a fan of, of Tarantino. And this is one of the reasons why I'm not a fan. It was like it was written by a 12 year old. And well, Tarantino yeah. is a freaking twelve-year-old in forty-year-old's body. He he, he kind of is. Yeah, and and I just I tried to read. You know, I watched it years and years years ago, and I honestly I didn't see it at the at the theaters. I I it was on TV. I was probably stoned out of my head. So I tried to watch it again a few years back, and it was just offensive. Not even just bad. It was just really adults are doing this crap. And, and I, that, that was, that was my, my stand on it. It was just, 
like like you said, Tom Savini, I'm sex machine. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> or is you know, yeah, that that's they, take they made a couple of uh they made a couple of sequels. And they're awful. They're yes. not terrible. <laughs> they're not terrible. The the second one they was are. not terrible. The third one, yeah. Okay, so the second one was called <laughs> Texas Blood Money. And it's about a bunch of criminals, and it's basically the same plot. A bunch of criminals uh wind up at the titty twister and they uh and they have the same experience. And then the third one is called The Hangman's Daughter, which is a prequel. It takes place in nineteen thirteen and they go to a saloon, which is at the same place where the strip club was in the in the first one. Uh the Aztec Temple the is behind- Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um but the, here's a fun fact. So Texas Blood Money starred Robert Patrick. And when they remade From Dust Till Dawn into a TV series, Robert Patrick played the character that Harvey Keitel played in the in the movie. Oh, okay. Okay. Um the TV series I've only watched the first season. I didn't watch beyond that, but it, it's not bad. It's just, it's a retelling of the same story. Now I, I imagine beyond this, the first season, they go further because the, the entire first season is the first movie and, um, the vampires. They tried to rewatch it because the series came out. That's right. The vampires in the series are different. They're almost like snake like their fangs are, are just like snake fangs. They've got scales. And their eyes are snake eyes and stuff like that. So they've got like these snake powers and stuff. But, uh, the first season I watched and it wasn't bad. Uh, I, I can't say anything about anything beyond that because I haven't, I haven't watched it. It's on stars and I don't have stars anymore. So I tried to watch it and it just bored me because it took forever <laughs> to go anywhere. <laughs> like how long are we going to be in this damn convenience store? <laughs> <laughs> but that's all I got for that. Okay. I, I, for the most part, I like the movie. There are aspects of it that I didn't care for, and most of those aspects lead back to Quentin Tarantino. Hmm. You can tell that he wrote it, and you can tell that he was very pleased to be in the movie because, once again, he gives himself the opportunity to act out and indulge in his own very particular fetishes and get paid for it. Hmm. He loves feet, so he made sure to write a scene where Salma Hayek pours booze down her leg, and he gets to drink it off her foot. Yeah, and he gets to get he gets to be paid for it. He gets to ogle and make advances on a very young Juliet Lewis, and get paid for it. These are all things that I don't care for. She wasn't. I no. I'm I mean, I understand gonna, her character was young. She wasn't that young, right? True, but yeah. s- still, that's the that's the character that's being portrayed. Yeah, yeah. He's a, a he's. He's a, a sex offender. Yeah. Yes. He, he's he's an abuser, and there's no two ways around it. And he makes sure that he gets to play that part. But and yeah, I, I I don't want to yuck anyone's yum about feet. If that's your thing, then that's your thing. But it always just rubs me the wrong way when Tarantino finds a way to put himself right in the middle of that sort of thing. So with with feet. There's that scene in From Dust Till Dawn where he gets a foot in his mouth and, you know, he enjoys that sort of thing. So he makes sure that he gets to do it. In Kill Bill and in Inglorious Bastards, in each of those movies, there's a scene where an attractive woman gets strangled. And while filming, he made sure that he was the one to do it. Yeah. 
because I, I, I'll take responsibility to make sure this is being done safely. So if anything goes wrong, it's on me. And then the unspoken part is, and I can get incredibly roused while doing it and get paid for it. (laughs) Action. Mm. I don't care for that. Yeah. I like Tarantino's movies. I have some problems with Tarantino as a person. He like in, in Pulp Fiction, he wrote himself into being the character that gets to say the N word like 40 times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course it will be. You know. <laughs> because my take on that is in, in his mind, because he is a legitimate fan of black exploitation cinema, he's allowed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's incorrect. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah, not I, right. yeah that, that is not correct, but <laughs> n- no one is going to be able to convince me that he thinks otherwise. He thinks, Oh no, I no, I love these movies. These are great movies. And I, I legitimately love them. So I get to say this word and I get to it. I don't know a better way to phrase this. When he does interviews for like talk shows on BET, he will, there's, there's, there's no other way to say it. He'll talk like a black person. Hmm. As the only white guy in the room, he's going to work very, very hard to sound like everyone else in the room. And it doesn't fly. It doesn't work. But in his mind, it does work because he belongs there. Yeah. Again, unsettling. Just <laughs> blah, 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 blah. But if you put all that aside and focus on the fact that it's a Robert Rodriguez film, if you like his directing style, Especially his early stuff. Spy Kids, walk with that stuff. Get out of here. No. <laughs> but Desperado from Dust Till Dawn, the, these are the Rodriguez movies that I like, that I consider fun. And it, it is a good example of that. If you can look past some of the not-so-great aspects of it. Yeah. And focus on the good stuff, like Danny Trejo. There you go. <laughs> All right, Jen, what's the next one on your list? Okay, since we were talking about TV shows, there's quite a few TV shows that have portrayed vampires either as a supporting character or as the main focus. Uh, The one I'm actually going with is probably one you weren't thinking of because I love True Blood, but I figured someone else was going to talk about it. Uh, A show that was both U.S. and U.K., U.K. first, U.S. second, and they're actually both good, a show called Being Human, which had oh, a vampire yeah. character. I have seen that, yeah. Uh, it's essentially, it's a vampire, a werewolf, and a ghost are roommates in a loft. That's the premise. <laughs> vampire, a um, and a ghost walk into a box. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they become roommates, and it's all their trials and tribulations with their various... Yeah, the vampire... Conditions. The vampire and the werewolf are best friends and they move into a house that happens to be haunted. <laughs> haunted by the ghost. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, the UK series starts out good and then for some reason about season four they like completely change characters. It's, I stopped watching at that point. Uh, the US version only had uh, f- it stopped pretty much where that happened and then they ended the series on a good it actually was a decent ending. Um and uh gosh, I'm trying to remember the actors now who's on the US version. Um oh shoot, now I gotta look it up. Being human, because I remember the guy who played the vampire. I think I vaguely remember some of the It was a sci-fi channel. Yeah, Sam Whitworth Sam Whitworth played the vampire. Mm-hmm. 
And he now mainly does voice work and guest appearances on other TV shows, including Once Upon a Time. Hello. Uh, and he's the voice of uh, Maul on on the Star Wars animated series. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he he was a vampire. And I think they picked him specifically because he kind of looks like <laughs> like Bella Lugosi. Oh, he, was, he, played, face, he played Crashdown in uh, Battlestar Galactica, and he was yeah, on uh, yeah. Smallville. He's been on yeah. a bunch of stuff. Uh, on Smallville, he was Doomsday, and then he came back on Supergirl as a different villain. Yeah. yeah. He put, yeah, Lockwood on Supergirl. Yeah. Yeah. So he was the vampire. Megan Roth, Wrath, Roth, something like that. She was the ghost. And Sam Huntington, who I mainly knew from TV commercials and stuff, he played the werewolf. Um, it's actually, I believe it's still on Netflix. I saw it on, on sci fi. It was on Netflix at one point. I don't know if it still is. I well, he played played, he played uh, Jimmy Olsen in Superman Returns. And he uh, he was also, I remember him from uh, um, Detroit Rock City. He was one of the kids on that. Oh, I never that saw movie. that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then Mark Pellegrino, who most people know as villains in practically every sci-fi channel show ever, <laughs> played like the the other one of the mother major vampires in the show but um it was it was actually i mean i like believe it or not the u.s version better than the uk version yeah so i put I, a meme i put a meme on facebook one time that had a picture of mark pellegrino on it and i said fun fact if this guy is in it he's the bad guy pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh but um i mean i probably Gonna get flack because people will say the UK version is better. I don't know. I've I never only, watched the UK version. I've only seen the North American yeah. version. So, but it delves a lot into like the politics of of Aiden. That's the vampire character, and and a lot of his because essentially what it is is he's an outcast. At least in the US version, I don't remember in the UK version, but he's an outcast from the clans, the vampire clans and, and, and so forth. And he has to try and get back in. And there's a lot of stuff that happens with that. And he gets in and then he leaves again. And there's, it was like four seasons of the show and turmoil, turmoil, turmoil. Um, I enjoyed it, but it, it didn't focus solely on the vampire character. It focused on all three of them. And then eventually they got a fourth roommate who was, the werewolf character's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. She moved in, and that was a whole thing. <laughs> and she was a zombie. No, she was. No, a, was a she became another werewolf. She became a werewolf. He Boy. Scra- He accidentally scratched her while they were having sex, and so she became a werewolf. And he got her pregnant too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a whole thing. And she was spoiler a alert. <laughs> yeah. Well. I mean, that was in first season. It's like, hello. Oh, yeah, it's been off for several years. If you yeah. haven't seen it by now, you're not going to watch it. <laughs> yeah, it, it premiered in like, what, 2010, something like that, yeah. 2011. So it's been out for a while. Anyway. I not cope with the fact that that was 10 years ago. <laughs> right. 11 years ago. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, yeah. I, 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 well, okay, as a, an aside, I watched a, a documentary recently that was talking about, you remember the game show Where in the World is Carmen Diego? Oh yeah. That is now 30 years old. <laughs> I went. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> have you anyway. have you seen the cartoon that's that my 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 daughter watched binged it uh last year and Oh, well, there's been several cartoons. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's yeah. a new one that's very The cool. Netflix is on Netflix, yeah. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it. I've seen the uh commercials for it, but we used to play that game when I was in uh 
middle school, we and there was like a computer game. Mm-hmm. Several of them. Where in the world? Where in time? Where you know all this yeah. kind of stuff. But where then that, that? that show that Jim was talking about was a game show that came on every afternoon. That and I love the heck out yeah. of it. I was a little too old for it, but I watched it anyway. I it came it. on. It came on right after Square One because I watched that too. I watched that too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and 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 people watch the the game show of Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego, not for the things that you learn from it, not for the uh, the questions and and the game show aspect. You watch it for the house band. Oh no, yeah, Rockapella because Rock-a-pella. that was Rockapella. And and you watch it for the the characters that were on the show. anyway. But yeah, anyway, and, being human. <laughs> fun fact: Rockapella still actually. Yeah, still oh yeah, they they did oh, yeah, a coffee commercial drunk. not too long ago. And yeah. On, yeah. only one guy, mean. only one guy from from the days of Carmen Sandiego is still in the group. Everyone yeah. else has been replaced. Yeah. Sad, but anyway. Kind of like Kiss is only two dudes. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, that's my pick. All right. Scott, what's the next one on your list? I'm skipping over one movie that I considered because I'm assuming that someone else is probably going to bring it up. Uh, I'll go with a generally lesser known film, uh, but it's good to watch only because it's so bad. It's very easy to make fun of it. Um, I was reminded of this reminded of this movie while listening to um, the We Hate Movies podcast, mm. and this is John Carpenter's Vampires. Oh, God. I love, oh, oh, but it's so bad and good. <laughs> no, it's not. It is the most <laughs> misogynistic piece of crap ever made. That's what I said. It's so bad. It's okay. <laughs> Carry on. Sorry. <laughs> well, it makes sense that it's a misogynistic piece of crap because it stars James Woods. Exactly. Pretty much playing himself, but I mean, anyway. No, no, not playing himself because that character is supposed to be a grizzled, hard bitten, you know, tough guy. And no, you cannot take (laughs) that character seriously when it's played by James Woods. You just can't do it. You can't. Now, for anyone out there listening who has not seen this film, I'm going to describe the opening scene and this will tell you all you need to know about the film. James Woods leads a group of vampire hunters and they have come up on a nest in an old house way out in the middle of the desert. And how do they go about killing these vampires? They go into the building and they're going from room to room. And when they find a vampire, James Woods will shoot them with a crossbow and the crossbow bolt bolt is attached via cable to the front of their truck with a little winch on it. So the guy, I think, I think it's like one of the LaPaglia brothers is playing the guy out front. And when he gets a signal, he pulls the switch and the winch starts pulling and it drags the vampire out the, wherever they are in the house, it doesn't matter because he's going to get dragged all through the house, out the front door into the sunlight where he bursts into flames. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rinse, repeat. If it's a guy, if it's a girl vampire, they beat her, strip her practically rape her and then drag her into the sun. <laughs> True. Ugh. I'm pretty that. sure Carpenter went through a nasty divorce before he made this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously like you do when they finish this particular job, which they're getting paid for, they're like vamp- they're like anti-vampire mercenaries. They finish up and then they end, ju- end up having a 
a binge party with booze and hookers for like two, three days. <laughs> God, this and, movie was so awesome. So it's <laughs> it, it's a nice bit of catharsis when um, when a vampire crashes the party and kills like everyone except for James Woods. Every time I think of James Woods, for some reason, I always think of uh, when he w- they, they have a version of him on Family Guy Ooh, and piece uh, of candy. Ooh, yeah, piece somebody leaves a trail of candy. He just Ooh, piece of candy. Ooh, piece of candy. Ooh, piece of candy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, Rick. What's the next one on your list? Uh, okay, uh, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm also gonna go for some obscure ones because I'm. I, I, I'm gonna. My my honorable mentions is gonna take a while because. Uh, there's someone here I got to mention, but right, uh, but uh, I got a couple on here that you've probably never seen that really need to be watched. In 2000, this movie came out. It stars John Malkovich and Willem Dafoe. I know Malkovich which one you're talking about. <laughs> Frederick Wilhelm Murnau, and uh, Dafoe plays Max Schreck. Yes. Uh, and this kind of kills two birds with one stone because it's called Shadow of the Vampire. Seen it, and it's a fictionalized <laughs> account of the filming of the 1932 Nosferatu. Yep. Except that Max Schreck really is a vampire. Yep. And uh, he and and uh, you know uh, uh, Defoe and uh, um, Malkovich have some great scenes where he's like, "Stop eating the crew." <laughs> 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 um, but you know, it, it's a fun movie anyway. It's a very, very strange film. Um, as you could imagine when you have both Malkovich and Defoe in the same movie. Um, but there's this amazing monologue by Defoe where he and the crew are just sitting around and none of the crew know he's really a vampire. They just think he's incredibly into his role. And he goes on this monologue about what it's like to not even remember how to eat, to not remember what the taste of bread is like, you know, because he's, he's been a vampire for, you know, a thousand years and he hasn't actually eaten in that long. And, you know, how to, how to pick out, uh, you know, the things that everyday people do. And it's, it's just the crew, you know, the, the crew are like, what? but it's so, it's so moving because, you know, Defoe and Malkovich are um, incredible actors. Mm. Uh, no matter how bizarre the role they're playing. And this is a movie that I, you know, I, I never heard of it when it was out, quote unquote out. I saw it years afterwards, uh, you know, on video, but it's, it's become one of my all time favorite vampire movies. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's just a, a really weird, but weird in a good way movie. I, I want to say that I've seen it, but I don't. I may yeah. just have heard you talk about it before. <laughs> I, yeah, I have mentioned it before on, on some of my shows. Um, but I, I do know that Max Shrek is the character that Christopher Walken plays in Batman Returns. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was an homage to that. Because mm-hmm. that was that was the name of the actor that played Nosferatu in the in the nineteen mm-hmm. thirty. Shrek means fear in German. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I, I guess we'll, we'll go around one more time and you guys can, you can throw out your, uh, honorable mentions then. But, um, I think the last one on my list, I've got several here, but I think the last one that I'll talk about will be, um, Salem's Lot from 1979. Oh, yes. Really? Okay. It's, uh, it was a mini series 
based oh, or okay. based on the novel by Stephen King. And uh, Salem's Lot was one of his early novels. And a lot of people claim that that was when he was doing his best writing. Uh, it's also the time that he was doing a lot of drugs and drinking. A lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it's about a small town called Jerusalem's Lot. And there's some vampires that have moved in and it was, it was the seventies and on television, they couldn't get away with a lot of the gore and stuff that a theatrical release would have gotten. So it's, it's pretty tame for a vampire movie, but there are a couple of scenes that are just get etched into your mind. There's one, one scene where this kid wakes up and he looks out his window and there's a vampire like standing outside his window. And he's on the second floor. <laughs> so his vampire's just standing outside his window and gets just the creepiest smile on his face. Uh, but a, a couple of things like that just get burned in your brain and you, you remember them decades later. They did a sequel in the eighties and a re, like return to Salem's lot or something like that. And then they remade the whole thing in the, in the two thousands with Rob Lowe. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I, I think they're, I think they're supposed to be making a another TV series. It's going to be like the stand, like the stand that was on CBS All Access hmm. or Paramount Plus. I think they're going to do Salem's Lot as well. Um, they did work Jerusalem's Lot into the second season of uh, Castle Rock. So if you've ever seen Castle Rock, it's a TV series that takes a lot of different things from different Stephen King novels and puts them all into one series. And the second season deals with the character that Kathy Bates played in Misery. Uh, she's the main character of the second season and she winds up in, in Jerusalem's lot. Hmm. So it's, um, but they're not really vampires. They're, they're more zombified or whatever in that. So it's, it's kind of weird, but, but the, yeah, the, the TV series that they're making now is written, it's going to be written by the guy that wrote it chapters one and two. So. It may it may be pretty good. We'll see. So okay, cool. I only saw the 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 original Salem's Lot movie, which was dreadful with the, the blue vampire with the weird one. Yeah, fang it's kind of and, become a cult classic since. Yeah, uh, yeah it's no, the one from the seventies is much better. But like I said, it's a TV movie, so like. Dawn of the Dead was probably made about the same time, and Dawn of the Dead's one of the bloodiest movies I've ever seen. But that's theatrical. On TV, they couldn't get away with showing a lot of that kind of stuff, so yeah. it's pretty tame. But it's still, <laughs> it's still pretty, and it's got a lot of creepy, creepy parts to it. So if you, you know, I rec, I recommend it. So cool. All right, Jen, go ahead. Okay, my last one is actually uh, another obscure one that is from Korea, specifically South Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys know Park Chan-wook, right? No. Okay, he was the director of Old Boy, the original. Oh, yeah. Also a weird-ass film with a messed-up ending. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But he did a film after that. In English, they call it Thirst. Um, In in Korean, it's Bakhtvi. I probably totally mispronouncing that. I apologize. Uh, Which is Korean for bat. Um, it's about, uh, it's a character. He's a Catholic priest. He actually gets turned into a vampire through a medical problem, a medical mishap. So it's not the usual turning into a vampire thing. 
Uh, so it is, it's like a weird, I if I remember correctly, it's like a weird blood transfusion mess up thing. Um, so he's dealing with the fact he's a Catholic priest, but he's got, you know, he wants to drink blood and he also, it, it, it also implies that he's more sexually. Yeah. And, uh, essentially he, he's in love with his best friend's wife. And of course, since he's a priest, he can't do anything. And suddenly he's a vampire and his sexual, thirst as well as heightened and it's all that and and she actually uh, it's implied that she actually has the hots for him too but since she's married and you know all all that sort of stuff but it's dealing mostly with not just bloodthirst but sexual thirst and for a korean film that's a, saying a lot because uh, up to this point a lot of korean films didn't even show nudity and this was the first Korean film to show full frontal male nudity in it. He's naked. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's interesting that the fact that they made it more about his sexual thirst than it is about his bloodthirst. Even though he's a vampire. Yeah, he's a vampire. But it, it's it's like true blood, but Korean. And he's a priest and some other things. <laughs> but, I mean, it's a, it's actually very good. It sounds like it's... Yeah, but it, do give it a look. Um, obviously, with subtitles, not dubbed. And uh, it, I mean, I love. I've gotten more into Korean cinema pretty much since I saw Old Boy, um, and so forth. So it, it's 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 a one of those that it sneaks up on you, and it's very actually very intelligently made, and I love it. So thirst. Okay. All right, Scott. What about you? Um, this one, it, again, not a movie or TV show. However, it was adapted into a film. Um, I think that even the movie might have gotten a sequel, but I don't think I ever watched it. Um, uh, who on the panel is familiar with the oh, who, uh, Josh, um, I think it was Josh Hartnett, mm-hmm. um, who was yeah. in this film, 30 Days of Night. Oh, yes. yeah. yeah. I have the graphic I novel. Yeah, always meant to watch it, and I haven't seen it yet. Okay. Um, so, uh, Jen, you just said you have the graphic novel. I, yeah. mm-hmm. I used to have it. I think it got, uh, I think I lost it in a flood, uh, uh, like a decade and a half ago. Half of my comic book collection was wiped out in this flood. I had like six inches of water in my office. And mm. even though I had put my comic, cause I had all my comics in boxes and I put them on a wooden pallet to keep it off the floor because I knew I lived in the flood zone. But that only works if your pallet is up higher than where the water is going to be. And the water Ooh. went beyond the pallet. So oh, that's a shame. that was a lot of comics gone. Um, but it was based on what was initially a comic book miniseries, which got uh, many sequels and spinoffs mm-hmm. in the comics. I think in the, I think the movie only got the one sequel. Um, I'm going to try to do a, a, a screen share here. And, uh, okay, here we go. Here's a panel from one of the comics. Yeah. It, it's pretty gruesome. It's yeah. yeah. So I, not only is it you know gruesome and hyper violent, but the, the art style from, from the original, they've had uh, several artists since then, but originally written by Steve Niles with art by Ben Templesmith, who is who you just saw there. Such a creepy tone to all of his artwork. It's very dark. It's very brooding. Uh, it's very sketchy, uh, with, with soft lines, uh, with a lot of, 
a lot of wiggle to them. Um, it can be when, when he wants, it can be very frenetic art. Mm-hmm. It can really put you off your ease, uh, which was one of the big selling points of the comic. It really gets under your skin a little bit. No pun intended. Now the film, not a terrible adaptation. They did a pretty good job of translating the story from comic book to the screen. Uh, but what I thought was interesting was the, the central conceit of the story of 30 days of night, which I had never considered. i had never thought of it. And I was surprised once I saw it and said, you know what, why hasn't anyone thought of this before? This is, this, this is genius. And any vampire would be stupid not to think of this. The, the concept of the story for anyone who doesn't know it is the town of Barrow, Alaska uh, is uh, it comes under siege from a horde of zombies. Uh, not zombies, a horde of vampires. Because when you get to the right time of year, the sun goes down and it doesn't come back for a month. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's a month of nothing but night. And the vampires decide, you know what? This is a perfect feeding ground. Let's just go in there and take them all out. We have a month to just live it up and party. And that's exactly what they do. It's so scary. It's a terrifying concept. Yeah. And Um, the vampires in the movie and in the comic book are not the seductive vampires that you normally see. They're just like vicious bastards. Monsters. (laughs) Very, very, very monsters. Yeah. Um, now, in, in the comic book, uh, the vampires speak, and you know what it is they're saying. In the movie, they made up a vampire language, which which is gibberish and growling to us. Um, but it it's a lot of fun. I, I think this is an aspect of the comic that did not make it to the movie, where a vampire who is higher up in the ranks above the vampire that's leading the attack on Barrow, he shows up and essentially says what the hell are you doing? You can't just come in here and destroy an entire town during the month where they have no sun because you're going to blow our cover. Yeah. People are going to know that we're real. If you do this, what's wrong with you? And I'm pretty sure he tears that vampire literally in half because of it, which is a wonderful panel to see. It's, Mm. it's great art. Um, so if that's a bit of a spoiler, uh, sorry, this book is pretty old. It's been around for quite a while. Yeah. Um, and even if you know that's what happens, it's still worth reading because the, the, the final twist and resolution of the story, still a lot of fun. Um, highly recommend. Uh, if you don't want to take the time to find and read the comic, then track down the movie. It's got to be out there somewhere. And speaking of which, I'm going to find it myself. Didn't they, I think they, didn't they make a sequel? Yeah. Yeah, they did. Yeah. I can't remember what they called it, but, but yeah, the movie I know got at least one sequel. 30 days and night. It came out in 2007. The sequel. Oh, there's a prequel mini series called blood trails that came out on fearnet.com. Uh, and then another sequel mini series called dust to dust, but the sequel movie was called dark days yeah 2010 which which was the the title of the the first comic book miniseries sequel to come out yeah all right rick go ahead all right i got a bunch of of honorable mentions i want to throw in uh frank langella's dracula 
which mm-hmm. uh, was kind of the beginning of the sexy vampire. Uh, it was, I, I, it was, it came out in the seventies. I remember watching it as a kid. Um, I honestly can't say how good it was cause I haven't seen it since then, but it's, it's pretty much the, the, the gold standard for, uh, sexy vampire movies. Uh, love at first bite. Ah. Uh, George Hamilton. That's uh, the first Susan vampire Saint movie I ever James, saw. Really? Artie Johnson. <laughs> just hilarious hilarious fun very very 70s slash 80s humor um but uh uh just really love that movie once bitten one of the few jim carrey movies i like mm-hmm. uh underworld i think for the most part most of those movies are a lot of fun uh the lost boys really doesn't need us to to hype it but if yeah. you haven't mm-hmm. seen it and you like vampires you've got to see the lost boys if for no other reason it has the greatest final line of any movie ever yes i agree <laughs> Uh, what we do in the shadows, of course. <laughs> I, I was not thrilled with the TV series. I love the TV series, which saddened me. But the movie is brilliant. Um, Vampire in Brooklyn. Eddie Murphy as a vampire was nah. actually an incredibly underrated movie in my opinion. I don't like it, but kind of bitches a little. <laughs> um, but the movie I want to finish off with. Is it came out a few years ago? I don't. I I could look it up, but I'm not going to. It stars Tilda Swinton. Um, 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 Again, I'm blanking on me. Tom Hiddleston. Hiddleston, thank you. Only lovers left alive. It's great. (laughs) This is a genius film about a pair of vampires who've been alive too goddamn long, and what happens when you have been a couple for thousands of years or however, mm-hmm. or hundreds of years, or hundreds of years. Yeah. And just the ennui that sets in. Um, and it's just, you know, I, I think Tilda Swinton and Tom Hiddleston are two of the most gorgeous human beings ever to walk the earth. And so to have them both in the same movie as lovers, just <coughs> that right there should be worth the, the price of admission. Mm. Um, but it is a brilliant film that uh, it, it, it's just a wonderful character study of what immortality would really be like. Um, and I highly, highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Anton Yelchin is in that movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, John Hurt. Okay. Yeah, I think I think you mentioned that one before, and I think I wrote down to watch it, and then I have it. I haven't watched it yet, but um, I wanted to throw out, I did have some honorable mentions that I yeah. didn't throw out, but um, one of them is Fright Night. Oh, yeah. The like, original, original, not the new one. Well, there's several versions of them, and the, the, now the new one, okay, so the new one has David Tennant in it as a vampire. He's the only good thing in it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell was good, but uh, the the weird thing is on the on the remake. So they made Fright Night, and then they made Fright Night Two, but it was just another remake. It wasn't a sequel. It was just another remake with different people, and they just kind of changed the 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 characters and their setting and stuff, and then just retell the story. If they do a Fright Night Three, they'll probably retell the same story again. <laughs> but the original had uh, Chris Sarandon and Roddy McDowell in it. And, uh, and it's, it, it's, it's just a great fun movie. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got mm-hmm. Roddy McDowell playing Peter Vincent, which is like a, he's an old vampire movie guy that this guy, I guess the, the, the kid just thinks that he really was a vampire hunter or whatever. Cause he made a bunch of vampire hunter movies. And so they, uh, and so he gets him to, 
to help him fight this vampire is the, the old conceit of this kid thinks that his neighbor is a thing. Like, like you in the eighties, you had a lot of movies where the kid would think, Oh, my, my neighbor is a monster. My neighbor is a serial killer. My neighbor is this, but in this movie, he really was, <laughs> he really was a vampire. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I thought, I thought the remake was good, but, um, I didn't make it halfway through it. And then, oh, okay. and then the other one, of course, is True Blood because, uh, that's, it's just, I love True Blood. I thought that the, the idea of vampires coming out and join and trying to supposedly joining society because they've created the synthetic blood that they can live off of when the vampires really have no interest in joining society. They just, don't want to be in hiding anymore, you know, so they want to hunt openly, I guess. But, uh, but that whole thing with the synthetic blood, they just quit talking about it in later seasons. It yeah, they did. <laughs> but, you know, uh, something funny about that series is, uh, my, my best friend forever, uh, Carol, uh, she knew, knows how much I was into vampires. And one year she gave me the first book of that series mm-hmm. thinking, Oh, it's a book about vampires. And I'm like, I started reading it and I was like, this is a freaking romance. Why would you think I'd like this? It is, but I've read most of the books. Uh, I've, I've read the first couple and, uh, but, but I, I like the TV series better. The, 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 um, the series is the Southern Vampire Mysteries or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. But the, but the TV show is, uh, for one thing, it completely separates itself from the books after the first Couple. Two seasons, two yeah, seasons. Yeah, yeah, they go off and do their own thing. It's got Anna Paquin, that, which Anna Paquin is the thing I liked about the show the least because she's, <laughs> which I'm not, I'm not saying I don't like Anna Paquin. I just didn't like her in this. They made her whiny. They made her, she, and she's a waitress that never finishes a shift because every time she's at work, something happens and she has to leave. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it, it, but, uh, and her name was Sookie Stackhouse. <laughs> it's just a weird name for somebody from Louisiana, a white girl from Louisiana. You're not going to meet named Sookie <laughs> most of the time, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's, and then they bring in werewolves and were panthers and, and vampire gods and all that later on in the show. But, uh, yeah, I think they, not swear wolves. I think that they should have <laughs> ended the show after like season four. I agree. But, but then they went on for like seven or eight seasons or something. Yeah, it was seven seasons. Yeah. Now the thing, the, 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 the opening montage, the opening theme and everything, I love, that's like one of the best openings in TV. Oh, yeah. Bad things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, anybody have anything else they want to throw in before we? Uh, I have up? a few more honorable mentions that we haven't discussed. Um, as far as TV shows, uh, okay. You guys remember? Uh, there was only one season. It was called Moonlight, which was basically a vampire being a private detective. Um. Of course, there was a Dracula TV show. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> There was a Blade TV show. I forgot about uh, the Dracula TV show. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we cannot properly have a vampire podcast without talking about the OG of vampire TV shows, Dark Shadows. Dark Shadows. Gotta mention Dark Shadows. <laughs> that was the first I was too TV young for that. Watching because I I would watch it, and then one night I had a nightmare and woke my mom up in the middle of the night because there was an episode where this shadow was was haunting people. 
Mm-hmm. And I had a dream about it, and I woke my mom up, and she's like, you're not watching that show ever again. <laughs> yeah. And, and there was also Forever Night, which was really popular. I never watched it, but it was very popular in the 90s. It was basically, was, basically Highlander with vi- vampires. Yeah, and he was he <laughs> yeah. hated being a vampire, and he kept wanting to not be a vampire. But he was a police detective working a night shift, and his last name actually was Knight. Um, that was one of the many shows in the 90s that I stumbled across and thought, this has got to be like a, a Living Color or SNL sketch. And it turned out. No, to be it, no it ran for like four, <laughs> five seasons. It was pretty popular. Three seasons. Um, and Wasn't then, it a movie? Didn't they make a movie and then it was a show? I thought it was a movie. Uh, I, thought, I think it was only a TV show. I, I thought it was just a show. And I, I, recent, I just recently <clears throat> acquired the show about like may, maybe a week ago. Hmm. Uh, which is why I know that it's three seasons. Um, I got that uh, right along with um, <laughs> the the Ron Perlman, Linda Hamilton, Beauty and the Beast series. Uh, and then there was a one season show and it didn't even finish the season because the lead actor unfortunately passed away while they were filming it called Kindred the Embraced. Um, I have all the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> But it was basically based off the role-playing game Vampire Blood, uh, Vampire the Masquerade that came out in the early 90s. It was essentially the clans from this role-playing game in a TV show. Um, sadly, they kept two of the clans out of it because I guess they felt they weren't going to really work. But uh, it has a few faces you may recognize if you go through the list of of stars who were in it. Uh, C. Thomas Howell was one of the main characters in that show. Oh, uh, boy. Yeah, pretty much. And it sadly only ran for one season-ish. I, I actually enjoyed it because I know the, the role-playing game. I, I played it pretty much since it came out. And, uh, yeah, that was another TV show. Uh, as far as movies, um, you guys have mentioned a few uh of course, Underworld, Blade, Blade's another one, obviously. Uh, Near Dark, that's one that we didn't talk about. Uh, Daybreakers, you guys remember Daybreakers? Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. That was, was a good it, one. Was it Kevin Kevin Bacon? That was uh, Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke, Hawk. okay, yeah. But essentially, they were all, everybody was a vampire in that, and yeah. And then there's one, uh, as far as going into anime, Vampire Hunter D, which that turned out the, he was a vampire hunter, but he was the son of Dracula. Uh, but he was hunting other vampires. And there's actually a few different versions of Vampire Hunter D. Uh, the one that I prefer personally like is called Bloodlust, which is technically a kind of sort of sequel to the first one, but not really. There is an English dub of it. Uh, the art style is gorgeous in that one. Um, the only thing that's kind of weird and they never really explain it is that he has a hand that has a face on it and talks to him. (laughs) 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 But he's not the vampire. He's actually a half breed because his father was Dracula and his mother was human. Explain um, weird shit is kind of anime's thing, though. Isn't yeah, it? <laughs> but it's super convenient because if something bad happens to him and he gets like knocked out or something, his little face hand can just like pick up a clod of dirt from the ground and, and then eat it. it and he he gets his, yeah, he he wakes up. Yeah, that's yeah. 
So you have seen it. <laughs> um, and finally, a film that came out not too long ago is called A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. That is actually, oh God, it's, I want, uh, is it a French? I can't remember if it's French, but the girl, the actual, uh, the actual character, she's Muslim. Um, and she's a vampire and she's like, physically, she's like 16. Um, and it's dealing with her hunting and, and it's, it's a weird, it's Iranian. She's Iranian. She's not French. Okay. But she's Muslim and, and it's a lot of how she hunts. It's basically her hunting the whole movie. Um, as a teenager. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's, that's a lesser known, but good watch. But that's, that's my picks. Okay. Other picks. One, one last one that I meant to throw out that just it really quickly Tales from the Crypt, Malcolm McDowell, The Reluctant Vampire. Check it out. It's a lot of fun. I haven't McDowell seen that one a in a while. <laughs> who has gotten a job at, on the night shift at a blood bank. Oh, okay. I think I have seen that one. Okay. Well, Tales from the Crypt had a couple of movies, and one of them was Bordello of Blood, if you've yeah. ever seen that. That's, that's mm-hmm. Miller. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that's a funny movie. Um, now, before we close up, I have to mention that I didn't put Buffy the Vampire Slayer on my list because I thought somebody else was going to mention it. <laughs> and nobody did. But Or uh, Angel. When nobody talked Buffy about the Angel. Vampire Slayer. And I mean, that's one of the biggest ones out well, there. I didn't like the movie. and I love the movie, but it was so camp. It was great. <laughs> what we found out recently about Mr. Uh, Whedon. Yeah, Josh Whedon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I, I figured that... Uh, with everything coming to light about the original creator, that that would be a franchise. We could probably just go ahead and leave off the list. Cause it's not <laughs> like there's a shortage of vampire stuff without that series. Mm. Yeah. True. True. But the thing is, that, that, that's the thing about when you find out stuff about one person that was involved in something, there was a lot of other people that really worked hard on that. And you don't want to just completely, forget that it happened yeah, because and it had the late Luke Perry in it. I mean, yeah, I mean, but what, well, yeah, the, the movie, but the, the, the TV show, I no, mean, that was Sarah show. Michelle Geller's like breakout. She became famous because of that show. And you don't want to completely negate that it happened because we find out Josh Whedon is an asshole, you know, because that's kind of like what happened with the Cosby show. You know, you can't, nobody, you can't watch the Cosby show anymore because I mean, you can, but nobody wants to. Mm-hmm. And then there's so many other actors that put a lot of heart and soul into that show. And now nobody watches it anymore because of something because of what Bill Cosby is. Well, I mean, Alison Hannigan has done quite well for herself. Uh, uh, the dude that played Xander is, has some issues, but those yeah. are, are his, you know, his own demons. Um, I don't know what Sharon, Sarah Michelle Geller is doing, but I don't think she really is hurting. Uh, yeah, her husband. hurting. I'm just saying that they they put so many years of their life into this thing, and it was a good thing. We it's something that we enjoyed at the time. You know, we don't, but. That's another show. Yeah. Um, that's going to do it for us for this week. I want to remind everybody about our, our Patreon. Uh, if you want early access to episodes, you want special episodes that you won't hear anywhere else, a couple of bucks a month, then you'll be able to hear some of that stuff. We've done Kingdom of the Spiders. Uh, next week, we'll be recording a, a commentary for Plan 9 from Outer Space. You'll be able to watch the movie and listen to us talk about it at the same time. So 
visit us at patreon.com slash infinite potato to find out more about that. Uh, Jen, thank you very much for being here today. Oh, thank you for having me. Of course. Uh, Scott, thank you. I got to say that this episode does not bite. (laughs) (laughs) And Rick, thank you as well. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> uh, as for other ways that you can find us, stay tuned. Uh, Brock will let you know in just a moment. Thank everybody for listening. Be sure to join us next time on that Super Fan Talk podcast when you might hear Jen say, You know, there's something about Santa Camarica I never could stomach. All the damn vampires. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Fredo's going to leave without giving you a goodbye kiss. Help the show grow by leaving us a five-star rating and a review. That's the worst goodbye I've ever heard. And you stole it from a movie. Be sure to join us again soon on That Super Fan Talk Podcast. Brought to you by InfinitePotato.com Goodbye. This concludes our broadcast day.